This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Mark. One of the lead pastors here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the families that you've put us in. Some are biological, some are accidental, some are the people we choose, and some of the people you chose for us. But Lord God, we thank you for them. And in this place here today, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to us and reveal what is on your heart. Amen. Amen. Now, today is a very special day. It is, of course, what is it? That's right. It is the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. It's, you know, it's just the second race of the season. It is not too late to join the Hope Church Fantasy Formula One League. There is one race that's, that's uh, completed so far. And the leaderboard currently stands at, in first place, it's Fafa Racing with 206 points, which is me. <laughs> Steve Sports, I guess he, but you can't guess who that is. Steve Sports is second with 188 points. And uh, Avonside Autos is third with 113 points, which is also me, because you're allowed to have three teams for free. <laughs> so, see me after the service and I'll give you the link to join up. I've also posted it into the Hope Church Family Facebook group this morning. So join in um, and let me beat you all. Now, as well as being <laughs> Saudi Arabian Grand Prix Day, is, of course, Mother's Day. Now, it's been said that silence is golden unless you have children, in which case silence is suspicious. <laughs> Did you know that it's spicy is mum code for, I don't want to share my dinner with you. I remember once that my sister asked my mum, what's it like to have the best daughter in the world? And she replied, I don't know, ask your grandmother. (laughs) And finally, some advice for the mums in the room. If you get a headache this afternoon, just follow the advice on the bottle of paracetamol, especially that bit that says, keep away from children. So we're in the middle of our series, The Promise and the Purpose, reading through the Gospel of Luke. And over the last few weeks, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 17. Jesus has been teaching his disciples how important it is to forgive one another, not to fall into the trap of taking offence or giving offence to other people. And last week, Dave was sharing on how important faith is. So in other words... You could kind of sum up Jesus' teaching in chapter 17 as be kind and love one another and have some faith and trust God when life gets difficult. We could just kind of stop there, couldn't we? What, What else do you need to know? But then Jesus turns to face his disciples and that's where we get to today in verse 7. He goes like this. He tells another parable. He says, When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of the sheep, does his master say, Come on in, sit down with me. No, he says, uh, prepare my meal, put on your apron, serve me while I eat, then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told? 
Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. So today we've got this short story about a hard-working servant. They start the day out in the field, plowing the ground, get ready to sow some crops maybe, looking after a flock of sheep, both hard, dirty jobs. Then they come back into the house after a hard day's work outside, and they've got to cook dinner for their master. And then they've got to tidy themselves up, put on their apron, and serve that food to their master while he eats. And then when the master has eaten everything, the servant cleans it all up, and only then do they get five minutes to sit down and enjoy their own dinner and five minutes rest. Now, maybe some of the mums in the room are thinking, yeah, that's a pretty typical day for me. <laughs> and maybe one or two of you are thinking, well, that, that seems like a light day. What about ballet class and all the after-school clubs? How do you fit those in? But this story that Jesus is telling is not about mums and dads looking after their families and caring for the children. Jesus is using the situation that was very common in the time that he was living, of having servants who lived and worked in houses, in order to tell a story that would make his audience think. He's talking to his disciples. So down through history, we are now the audience of this story. We are Jesus' disciples. So it should make us think too. So does the master thank his servant for doing his job? Is the servant some kind of, you know, Gen Z snowflake who just needs a badge for turning up and to be told how valued he is all the time? No. Jesus is setting an, an expectation for his disciples. And he knows where he is in history. He's looking forward. Yeah, he's only a few weeks away from the cross when he will no longer be around and the disciples will be left to carry on the mission on their own much like we are left to carry on the mission on our own here in 2023 in Malmesbury or wherever we live. And sometimes we might feel like that servant. We just seem to run from job to job. Maybe you got up early this morning on a Sunday to help set up church, and then you were helping with the teas and the coffees. Maybe you were playing in the band or running the kids' club, and when you go home later, you're going, oh, I've got to plan my home group, and I've got to visit that little old lady down the street who needs a friend, and um, I've got my family to take care of and I'm three weeks behind my read the Bible in a year and I've got to catch up with that and all of that needs to be done before bed. Jesus is saying, don't serve me because you're looking for a pat on the back or a badge. Not because Jesus is ungrateful or God doesn't value his children, but I think Jesus is making clear that we've got a very clear sense of who he is, and who we are. Whatever it is that we do for Jesus, however much time we spend doing things for God, it pales into insignificance compared to what God has already done for us. You could say that we do little things for God because he first did huge things for us. We do little things for God not to pay him back, because we never could, and not to earn his love, because we don't need to. We do little things for God because, I mean, how else can we express our gratitude and love towards him for all that he has done for us? The Father God who sent his own son to earth. 
Jesus who chose to come to earth from heaven. Jesus who exchanged his glory for dirt. Jesus who surrendered himself to death on the cross at Easter and then proved that he was the son of God when he rose again on the third day. And in response to all of that, all that God has done for us, anything we could do in return is, well, it's just our duty, isn't it? Because if Jesus is our Lord and Master, if Jesus is our Master, then we must be his servants, right? Because masters have servants. We're not his boss, so that's the only other... And not because we're forced into slavery, not because we're forced into servitude, but because Jesus has already given us everything, his very life. And compared to that, anything I could do and offer back to him is just... Well, in the words of Jesus, an unworthy servant doing his duty. Now, duty. Duty is something that you ought to do or something that you owe. Taking a peek at the Greek, the word that's translated as duty is orphilo, which means to owe something or you ought to do something. It's often referred to when you owe money or goods in a business contract or have an obligation towards someone. So there is this sense of paying back what we owe for what God has already done for us. But don't forget, the whole Bible is always true all the time. And Jesus told another parable about masters and servants. And that one ends with the master saying in Matthew 25, the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small thing. Now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You know, Jesus is a kind and fair master who does reward those who serve him. But the reward should not be our motivation. Our motivation should come from that sense of duty, maybe, to the one who has already given us everything. Now, while the, while the English Civil War was raging in the 1640s, Westminster Assembly gathered at the request of the English Parliament to clarify and write down what does it mean to be a Christian? What is it that Christians believe? This was about 100 years since the Church of England had split from Rome. And the assembly was drawing on the effects of that split, the thinking that had come out of the Reformation and the Puritan movement. And it produced a document called the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Westminster Catechisms. Now, a catechism is a question and answer session that is used to teach you something. So you could say that the Westminster Catechism was, in fact, the first ever alpha course that taught people what it was that Christians believed. Now, the Westminster Catechism documents, it was, it was something of its time, right? It was heavily influenced by the, the Reformation, the Reformed uh, theology. So some of what it says, we wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable with it. So this, you know, I'm referencing it, not giving it a blanket endorsement. But the first question in the Westminster Catechism is this. What is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Which actually, the language that surprised me, don't forget, this is you know, at, at the height of 
the, the English Civil War, the Puritan movement, the Reformation, you wouldn't think enjoying things was any, pretty high on anyone's list when it comes to religion, but there it is, the foundational statement. And you could define your chief end as your purpose. It's the reason you exist, or maybe you could call it your duty. So in other words, what is the duty of every human being to glorify God and enjoy him forever? To glorify and enjoy both, always and equally, to glorify and enjoy. Now we glorify God when we worship him. That's why we sing songs on a Sunday when we come together in church. We glorify God by the lives that we lead, the way that we treat other people, the way that we behave, when we show his love in practical ways, like looking after the widows and the orphans. We enjoy God when we see that he is the one behind all things that give us joy, all things that give us meaning. We enjoy God when we appreciate the mother that raised us and see her as a blessing from God. That's enjoying God. We enjoy God when we see the beauty of his creation, the hills and the streams and the mountains and the stars. That is enjoying God. Now Jesus said, talking about us in John 10.10, Jesus said, my purpose, Jesus' purpose, is to give them, that's us, a rich and satisfying life. That's what it means to be a Christian, to enjoy a rich and satisfying life, recognizing that God is the source of all the blessings and the good things in it. So this week I set us a challenge, I set us some homework to remember to enjoy God because it is your duty. It is your chief end. And if you want to know more about being a Christian, then please speak to anyone you've seen down the front here this morning. Now as the band come to uh, prepare us for the, the closing song. I'm going to end with these words of blessings. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favour and give you his peace.